This is The Thomas Guide, your roadmap for navigating the world. With your guide, John Thomas, political savant, world-class analyst, and culture critic. No need to Google directions. Just buckle up and enjoy the ride. This is The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Thomas Guide. Pelosi and AOC are going to war. I'll tell you what sparked the controversy and who's going to win. Kamala Harris is anchoring out again, pandering for the African-American bloc. This time, it's even crazier than before, I'll explain. And Biden begun an apology tour over the weekend over his busing position. But is it just a giant mistake? Cory Booker, in the race for free stuff, panders to voters by offering these things called baby savings accounts. I'll tell you what that means. And Pocahontas. She's back again pandering to women and minorities, but this time you're not going to believe the disaster that she's off, <laughs> she's bringing to small businesses. All that and more in this week's episode of The Thomas Guide. Oh, what a weekend it was. AOC and Pelosi begun a Twitter war. Oh boy, <laughs> here's how it went down. Nancy Pelosi did a, uh, a New York Times article or an interview in New York Times piece, and she slammed four of the liberal members of Congress, Ocasio-Cortez, Minnesota, Minnesota's rep, uh, Representative Elon Omar, Michigan Representative Rashid Tlaib, and a representative from Massachusetts, Presley. Essentially, those were four members who broke against uh, broke against Pelosi trying to get what Trump requested that additional funding for aid to um, people that were illegals that were stuck in these detention centers. And Pelosi said, quote, all of these people have their public whatever and their Twitter world, end quote. And then she said, quote, but they didn't have any following. They're just four people and that's how many votes they got. Um, true, accurate. Uh, and then AOC hit back on Twitter the uh, later that day by saying the public quote whatever is called public sentiment referring to Pelosi and wielding the power to shift it is how we actually achieve meaningful change in this country then she said I don't believe it it was a good idea for the Dems to blindly trust the Trump admin when so many kids have died in their custody it's a huge mistake this admin also refuses to hand over docs to Congress blah 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 so then she said, I find it strange when members, Pelosi, act as though social media isn't important. They set millions of dollar emoji on fire emoji to run TV ads so people can see their message. I haven't dialed for dollars once this year and have more time to do my actual job, yet we'd rather campaign like it's 2008. Oh boy. <laughs> Shots fired. Boy, there's a lot to unpack there. Number one, this was inevitable. AOC is a rising media star. She has arguably more ability to drive a media narrative and set the tone for her party than Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, does. So you know that that ruffles Pelosi's feathers, number one, just 
in terms of influencing wielding. Number two, AOC is a freshman idiot. She doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't understand politics. All she understands is her radical left-wing views, but she doesn't understand that she's out of touch with America and that her ideas can literally cost the Democrats both the presidency and the majorities in both houses of Congress. AOC doesn't get that, and Pelosi knows it. So it's frustrating all around. And it's frustrating to AOC that she can wield public sentiment, but she doesn't wield votes other than her own. So it's this beautiful <laughs> power struggle between the two. And look, Pelosi knew exactly what she was doing when she attacked AOC. And AOC's not wrong. The public, quote, whatever, is called public sentiment. The magic of being a powerful elected official is to yield, is to wield both. To wield and be able to move public sentiment to then back up and give power to the votes that you control. That's the ball game. You want to be able to do both. And somebody who knows how to do both is unbelievably powerful. Now, the other missing component is the ability to raise dollars, uh, give out dollars to essentially buy votes. But if you can move public sentiment enough, else you, you, can, you can apply pressure to then get votes. So I suppose dollars are in, in, similar to public sentiment. Now, AOC's point about she finds it strange that members act as though social media isn't important. They set millions of dollars on fire to run TV ads so they can people can see their message. Yes, but AOC is oversimplifying this. She said uh, she hasn't dialed for dollars more than once. Okay, AOC is in a safe district. Her race was her primary, and no one is going to tack to the left of AOC in her district. So she doesn't need the dollars, number one. Number two, she is a phenom on the left. I guarantee you, I haven't looked at her quarterly totals, but I guarantee you she's raising money hand over fist with small dollars, which is more than any Congress member would ever need. So AOC, get off your high horse. That's not how it works. Until you start raising in small dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars that Pelosi and others in leadership raise to protect Democrats, get off your high horse because that's how you win campaigns. So, and also that's how you get into leadership. So, uh, but here's what I love about this whole thing. AOC knew what she was doing when she tweeted against Pelosi. In a weird way, this is going to strengthen AOC's brand in the Democratic Party. She is sticking it to the establishment. Bernie Sanders would love an exchange like this, but he won't get it. At least he hasn't had it yet. So I can't wait to watch this whole thing play out. Uh, they are, they are going to claw each other's eyes out. It's going to be great, but it's also going to be a struggle, honestly for the heart and soul of the Democratic Party, that the primary electorate loves the AOCs. But Pelosi, as much as it even pains me to say it, she's not a moderate. No, she's a San Francisco liberal. But by comparison to AOCs, she looks restrained. Kamala Harris is again out anchoring for and pandering for the African-American bloc. She announced over the weekend that she's going to offer $100 billion in housing subsidies for the African-American community. Not only is this a pathetic attempt to pander for black votes, it doesn't make any sense in reality. To me, it smacks of the subprime mortgage crisis, but even worse, this is great. Let's give in financial incentives to get people that may or may not qualify um, into homes 
and then you're on your own. You can't make the mortgage payments. Great. That sounds excellent for both the potential homeowners that'll get defaulted on or into homes that they can't afford and for the economy and lenders and everybody else. Oh my God. Um, look, from a raw political calculus, what she's trying, what Kamala Harris is trying to do is smart, disastrous policy, but it's smart. She remember we we've talked about how digging a little deep how Joe Biden to corporate has in marketing that actually has fifty percent of the African American bloc. We've talked about that. Um, at least he did. It's it's fallen substantially since the debate. But Kamala's looking to move in and capture even more of that. So what's she going to do? She is going to start signaling to that block, take this handout, take this handout, take this free, take this free handout. And that's what she's doing. So she's trying to hurt Biden even more by pulling, by pulling more African-Americans. Um, so I think actually it will be effective. It will break through to some degree that she's leading the way. I think it'll be a good talking points for her in the next debate. It'll be good on the stump. Eventually, in TV ads, essentially, she's trying to lure that block with free stuff. We'll see if it works. I think it'll be effective. I don't know if it'll get her everywhere she needs to go, but I think it will be effective. She will likely pick up a few points in the next poll. Um, it is possible. I'm going to make a prediction, but it's possible that Elizabeth, that uh, that Kamala Harris eclipses within the next three to five weeks Joe Biden temporarily in the polls. It's possible. If that happens, Biden is so toast. So uh, we'll watch as that, as that plays out. Joe Biden began another apology tour this weekend when he was talking to African-American groups, apologizing for his busing position that he got blasted for by Kamala Harris, which, by the way, turns out he wasn't wrong in his position. It shouldn't have been a federal issue because it was a disaster. If local communities and states wanted to do it, that's the right thing to do, but I'm a state's rights guy, so perhaps I'm not in line necessarily with the Democratic mindset on that, but but here's the issue. Should he be apologizing? Absolutely not. It makes him look weak, and it draws attention to his prior positions that are simply out of touch with today's Democratic primary electorate. Yet another mistake. He is so not ready for prime time. It's only going to get worse from here from Biden, I predict. And Cory Booker, he is out giving free stuff as well. He is offering these things called baby uh, baby savings accounts that are essentially for every child that is born in America. He will give, he, uh, the government, he will take our taxpayer dollars. He'll put $1,000, he proposes to put $1,000 in a trust account, a savings account that'll just sit there and grow for the rest of their lives until they can become 18 and cash out. And they basically say that the problem African-Americans have and a lot of families have is that they can't save enough. And so what I'm going to do is put money in a trust account and just let it go because that'll solve their problems. <sighs> Besides the fact that we don't have enough money to pay for such a thing, um, the bigger issue to me, and this is pretty offensive actually, is that Booker is saying Americans cannot be trusted to save and spend their money wisely that we are so dumb and so uneducated that we need a big government to run our bank accounts. That's what he's saying. I find that pretty offensive. I believe every American is smart enough to know to be trusted with their own money. 
Certainly better than the government. Oh, God. Lastly, Pocahontas. She's at it again, pandering to women and minority. But this time, it's over a gender racial pay gap. She's come up with yet another plan. And she says that the gender gap and the racial pay gap is just the number one of the main threats uh, plaguing people today. And so the way she's going to overcome it is she's going to institute federal mandates for companies that they have to have certain hiring standards in terms of a certain amount of minorities in their company, that they have to have a certain amount of women in their company, and that they'll do much like Kamala Harris proposed, which is these audits to make sure that the money is all equal at the same level. And also, I'm going to oversimplify it, but they're what they're going to do is make it so that companies are liable, legally liable, if they violate these rules that the federal government draws out and that they can attack companies. What an absolute disaster for companies, but more importantly for small businesses. Warren wants the federal government to control how we run our businesses. She wants to bury us with red tape and then tax us to oblivion on the back end. This only hurts those who need it the most and will suffocate small businesses who are trying to grow and barely making ends meet. And what does that mean? If it suffers small businesses, it means they can't grow. It means that more people are going to not have jobs. And it, and it also means if small businesses don't grow, it means that the, there's fewer jobs. And fewer jobs hurts everybody. You know, I love the sport of politics. But we've reached a point in the ideas primary of 2020 that I am seriously getting scared of whoever the Democratic nominee will be. The contrast is so bleak. It's terrible. The only good news is, as a Republican in me, is that I don't, today, I don't think the likelihood of any of the Democrats beating Trump is very likely at all. They are taking positions that are simply too, too, too extreme, both socially and fiscally. So I guess that's the plus side. But the problem with politics is that, you know, if I had to give Trump an odds of victory today, I'd say is 60%. That still means there's 40% chance that a Democrat, whoever these crazy extreme Democrats are, win. That's why it's scary. Because elections have consequences. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Thomas Guide. I'm John Thomas, your host. Had a lot of fun going through some of these topics. It's really starting to heat up. I love this time in the season. Things are starting to move. Be sure to follow us at The Thomas Guide on Twitter. You can go uh, The Thomas Guide Show, or I think it'll be The Tea Guide.com. Uh, we'll be relaunching where you can find all our episodes. Follow, share, like. And of course, you can find me on Facebook, John Thomas, political strategist. Thanks again. We'll catch you later in the week. Appreciate it.